Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog Podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. I'm Melissa Edgington. Happy Sunday, Melissa. Happy Sunday, Chad. This is awesome. It's uh, May 20th and uh, Sunday night. So we finished up all of our Sunday doings. And here we're podcasting as part of our 31 for 31 podcast marathon. And uh, this is our 20th straight or consecutive day to podcast. That's really hard to believe, isn't it? It's, it's starting to feel like a habit now. Yeah. It, it's 20. starting to feel, you know, not like such a big deal, just something yeah, you do you every night. sit down, do your podcast. I wish this was exercise. Me too. That's the thing we have to start next. Right. I'm starting like, in the morning. Nightly. I, I'm, I'm wondering if I should get up and try to run a mile too. You should. You think I could get that far? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought, oh, I can run a mile. I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I don't have a issue where I get where my knees hurt or something. I can't raise one of my arms above my head, but that's nothing. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to run with your hands over your head <laughs> unless it's like a bank robbery or something. That really makes you sound old when you say you can't raise one of your hands above it's your head. It's something weird going on with a nerve. It's getting better. So I'm feeling the healing. Feeling <laughs> it. It's coming on. <laughs> trusting. Trusting for it. Yeah. I did have a moment the other day where I had some relief on it. See, part of the problem is I sleep on my side or my stomach. I sleep on the wrong side of the bed. To cuddle hurts my right arm. <laughs> but if you know how much I love you, that I even cuddle through the pain because <laughs> I want to cuddle that bad, and you're too selfish to sleep on the other side of the bed. So No, I'm not. That's my... Do you want to switch sides? We tried that before, and you threw a fit. No, remember when we did that? It was when Emerald was in her phase where she had to have the hall light on. Okay. So there was a giant light shining in my face. I don't remember this. I just remember that you really didn't like sleeping on that side. And though you've known, you know, that I'm struggling with the right arm, you haven't given up that side of the bed. And so you just waited until the podcast to bring this up? I thought it might help some people <laughs> be on my side. Let's switch just sides case, of the bed tonight. And this, just in case it was our last conversation. I like sleeping over there by the wall because I feel like you're between me and disaster. But if if there was an attacker that came through that window, that wouldn't be true. That's true. Because there's a window on that wall. That's true. So you're most vulnerable actually sleeping against Remember, the wall. Remember, we tried this recently. Hmm. When you ha- you complained like this. Mm-hmm. And we tried it, remember, and we both slept horrible. I I know, but that was mainly your fault. That was just a few weeks ago. That no, no, we no, tried that was that. months ago. Months. How ago. was that my fault? I don't know. And, and you know, it's like <laughs> our cuddling doesn't work out the other way sometimes. You know, if I'm on, if I, it's like I think every, I think cuddling, you've got to sort of stay on the same side. You can't switch it up. We're going to have to, well, practice. <laughs> but I think if I could get a few nights where I wasn't, you know, in this weird position with my right arm over my head, cuddling is hard. <laughs> it takes dedication. Well, it's just hard when you're when you're the outside cuddler. <laughs> it's true. I heard a guy talking about that on the comedy channel, and he was doing a whole bit over how hard it is to cuddle. And I was thinking... Guys, telling the truth. That's really hard. It sounds like you hate cuddling. No, I like it. It's just there's a lot of hair in your face, <laughs> in your mouth. 
you know, the shooting pain down your side <laughs> from your arm because you've got weird nerves. And anyway, so did we ever podcast? Did I ever talk about that MRI experience? No. Was that on? That was during this time, right? No. That hasn't been more than 20 days ago since I had that, has it? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I, I, you know, they asked me, have you had an MRI before? I'm like, no, I really don't know. I don't remember if I've had one or not. And I want to say that I had something like that. When they were trying to figure out your headaches? No, kidney stones. Oh. And I want to say I've had something that was, you know, where I'd had a, maybe it was a CT scan or something. I don't know. It was something that they do. You know, where there's sort of like a tube that you go into. Yeah. But this, this was awful. You know, I guess the things I've been slid into before, they slid you in foot, feet first. Oh, yeah. And so your head was kind of outside of the, whatever the thing is that goes, the magnetic resonant, whatever that thing is. Okay. But this, the MRI, you went in head first, backward. Have Mm -hmm. you ever had one done? Yeah. And it was, why did you have one done? I had one done when I was six. And you remember how loud it was? I remember it very well. They gave me earplugs and it was, I was a terror. And I kept falling asleep. And she said when I was falling asleep, um, cause I had to close my eyes and pretend like I was in a happy place because it was <laughs> not a happy place where I was. <laughs> and then I would open, I would fall asleep and then I would jerk, you know? Yeah. And she said, you're moving around too much when you're falling asleep. You've got to stay awake. So that's hard to do. Yeah. Well, it was kind of a nice time for a nap, and I had to make myself stay awake with my eyes closed, pretending like I was at the beach. You're kind of a weird sleeper, though. Yeah, a lot of things are. I have a real hard time. But anyway, so I had the MRI, and they determined that I have weird nerve endings coming out of my neck or something that's causing some problems, which could be cured possibly if I would cuddle on the other side. <laughs> But oh, we're doing it tonight. But Princess over here hasn't, hasn't wanted to uh, let me sleep on the other side of the bed. So maybe things have changed. Maybe you know, doing May Madness and you know, deciding we're going to run a mile tomorrow. Maybe that'll make the other side of the bed work. And that maybe that'll change our lives. Maybe I yeah. hope so. I'm believing for it. I'm trusting. <laughs> now that I know you're so miserable sleeping with me. Yeah. Well. Anyway. That's more than people needed to know about our marriage. <laughs> you know what's weird is how some couples sleep in different bedrooms. Well, you know, a lot of that probably is because of snoring. Probably. You know, the snoring, uh, some people can bear it, and I think other people just can't, can't, can't even. Yeah, they just can't. I would be the even. kind that couldn't. I mean, if that was a nightly thing, I was, wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, but I just kind of assume that you get used to it. I mean, you go through phases where you snore. I know, but I still think even in my worst snoring, you don't understand what it's like to listen to some of these men the way they snore. I would I would understand if a woman said, I can't do that. It's either I sleep in that room over there with a noise machine or whatever, or the marriage isn't going to make it. Yeah. Because these guys, they sound like, it sounds so loud. It sounds like an animal dying. It sounds... Um, it sounds like human torture. <laughs> I've been out. I've been in these sleeps, these uh, camps and retreats and things with guys snoring. Yeah, it's awful. That's not something you Rude. ever hear when you go on a women's retreat. You never hear people snoring. Is that true or not true? I've never heard a grown woman snore on a retreat really? or anything mm. like that. 
Well, I've heard some guys, we've had to put guys in their own room and you could still hear them. Really? Oh, it's, it's terrible. Rude. And then you wake <laughs> up in the middle of the night. And, you know, they don't mean to do it on purpose, but it sounds, that noise, it's so bad. It sounds like a bunch of pigs eating. <laughs> you can't really say something someone does in their sleep is rude. It feels, but when you're trying to sleep and they're making all that noise, you're like, why are you not the one awake right now? Because it sounds like you are dying. And if I was dying like that, I would wake up already. Yeah. You know, here they are. They're not, they they make noises. Like they make a noise that sounds like they just died. Well, because like, <gasps> isn't that what snoring is? It's like you stop breathing every Yeah, once they in a while. stop breathing. They, <gasps> then they jump and catch their breath. And it's yeah. terrible. Yeah. I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> that if you want to be my friend and you snore, we don't need to go Did on Did you sleep. ever have roommates in college that snored? No. That's good. We were not snorers. But, you know, what happened, I think snoring a lot of times is brought on by, I don't know, people that, that have, um, you know, a little extra a little extra um, weight. That So whenever you're younger, I think you snore, you tend to snore less. Once you get your dad bod, <laughs> like sometimes there's some fat deposits up in the sinus area. <laughs> That cause guys to sound like they're dying when they sleep. <laughs> and those poor women got to suffer through it. It's terrible. I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Do you like so, go up to some woman and say, wow, you know, you look really tired. It must be these children. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, my kids. Because she doesn't want to tell the truth. That no, it's my husband sounds like a Mack truck driving through our bedroom every night when he sleeps. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I can't deal with it. And then what's even, what's even worse is whenever it's like a kid that snores. And when you go to preteen camp, there are kids snoring. Yeah. Because they've got like, you know, they need to have surgery on their nose <laughs> or something. Because <laughs> I can't imagine why a kid would be snoring like that. But with no, the, kids that have allergies. Yeah, and allergies. Stuff, and, yeah. But, what, do you, but there's a solution for that. You just shake them a little bit. You just walk over to their bunk. And just grab them by the shoulder and just shake them a little bit. Yeah. And they stop. Yeah. I, I don't. I can't explain it. Or, uh, you know, you could, um, like, kick the bottom of the bunk. There's there's things. If you just jostle them a little bit, they there, seem to there stop. Are, there have been times when um, I have had to wake you up because you were snoring. And you really do react as if you have been so rude. I, I Whatever like, I wake you I, up. I feel like snoring is a very inconsiderate thing to do. To You're always like, "Oh my gosh, am I snoring?" I'm one of the I yeah because because I, <laughs> I mean I know how I feel about them. I know how they've ruined so many nights of my life and given me the worst next day where I couldn't stay awake for whatever it was I was trying to do. I think how, you know because I I think it would be like, "Hey, I need to warn you, I'm a snorer." Oh really? Okay, we probably need to get another. We need to get like this. I would rather pay for the an extra hotel room out of my pocket, you know. You remember when you were in law school and you snored really bad because <laughs> you were eating like three double cheeseburgers a day? Yeah. So here's the recipe for getting a dad bod in law school. Yeah. Uh, all you ever do is sit on your rear end and read. And then when you get tired, you take a nap. And then when you drive home, you pass McDonald's and you <laughs> order a quarter pounder once or twice a day. Um, well, you had this little voice recorder you used for, um, lectures uh -huh. 
And remember that night that I recorded you snoring? Was I really, I don't remember it, but was I upset about it? You got really mad at me for recording it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't believe you snored. You, you, you had to get proof. Yeah. Yeah, because I never have heard myself snore. At that point in my life, I had probably never heard myself snore. But I do, I can think of a couple of instances where I was awake, sort of, and that... <laughs> I guess it's like what I was talking about last night where I was praying. Yeah. And I was asleep, but I was but I woke up listening to myself praying and I wondered what did I just say? I mean, yeah. I don't even know what I was just praying, but you know, it was probably really spiritual because it was subconscious. <laughs> but I've I've been sort of in that in-between state before and heard myself snoring and got so mad at myself <laughs> that I'm, you know, made myself turn over and scalded myself. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, because I've been tipping the scales a little bit higher than I want to lately, I've gone back on my, you know, my like low carb, carb conscious diet. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to try to uh, get rid of some of that snoring for you. You haven't been snoring. Okay. But it's on the way. I feel like I've. But I think it's because you've been awake most of the night because your arm hurts. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The shooting pain down your arm and your the rest of your body makes it where you can't sleep. Yeah. And get into a deep sleep where you would. Therefore, no so snoring. So there's some benefits of so it. So win-win for me. Yeah, win-win for you. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So let's get into tonight's topic. So we're in the middle of 31 things to teach your kids in 31 days. And we are already on day twenty. And tonight's is teach your kids how to win and lose with grace. Mm-hmm. So I would say neither one of us would be naturally, I think, good losers, you know, depending on what it is that we're playing. Would you agree with that? Yeah, depending on what we're playing. So there's some things I truly don't care. I just don't care. Yeah. Most, I would say most things. If I was playing somebody a basketball game or, you know, some kind of a sports thing that that inc- that requires great athletic skill, I know I don't have great athletic skill compared to a lot of guys. So I don't – it doesn't bother me to lose um, in, in a race or something like that. Yeah. But then when it comes down to something where I think I could win, then I really don't like to lose. Yeah. And I can't really think of a good example. Maybe ping pong, um, bowling with you tends to bring out the worst in me. <laughs> like, I don't ever really root against people ever in my life. I mean, I'm always, I'm a positive person. Yeah. I want people to succeed. But when I bowl against Melissa Edgington, I am actually hoping that she'll twist her ankle up there. Oh, my and not gosh. Be able to finish the frame. That's so rude. Well, I just don't like to lose. Well, there's another game you hate to lose also, which is mini golf. Oh, yes. I hate losing at mini golf. Yeah. I'm a bad sport at mini golf. You're a bad sport at mini golf. You really are. But, you know, those are sort of intramural, um, intramarriage competitions that we have. Yeah. I think deep down we are okay with winning and losing. Yeah. Uh. But I've noticed in our culture, no matter really where we've been, 
some people have really struggled with losing and winning, especially when it comes to kids' sports. Yeah. And the lessons that we teach kids about winning and losing. So uh, lay down for us some truths about teaching your kids how to, let's start with how to lose well. Okay, well, we have to start when they're very young because there are a lot of opportunities whenever they're just in your household and they're not competing with people outside of your home. Mm -hmm. So it's just family stuff. So when you're playing um, shoots and ladders, you know, or when you're playing, um, you know, catch or whatever and you're trying to see how many times you can catch it or, you know, stuff like that that you're doing in your home. Kids naturally will, I don't care who they are, they will naturally get very upset when they are losing. Mm -hmm. And you really have to talk to them about that from a really young age. You know, I would say by three years old, you need to be talking about it, about how, you know, um, in every kind of competition you have, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. And you are not a fun person to play with if you're going to get so upset because you're losing or if you're going to quit playing because you're losing. Mm -hmm. So you have to start training them really young. And, and, you, and you have to say things like, I'm not going to play with you anymore mm. if you're going to act like that. Mm. If you're going to get so upset about losing, it's just not fun and I'm not right. going to play with you anymore. So you have to start teaching your kids. Nobody wants to hang out with you whenever you're acting like that. Yeah. You know, it's not fun. Games are supposed to be fun, and it's not fun when somebody's throwing a fit because they're losing. Mm -hmm. The other thing would be you want to make sure that you're teaching your kids not to taunt other people or to um, be mean to someone who's beating them. Mm. Um, so you don't want your kid to be rooting against anyone in the game. Well, that shows up when they get a little older and they're playing team sports. And that when they get frustrated, sometimes they shove. They might say something. Right. So you're saying early on, let them know that that ruins games whenever you have that kind of attitude. Right. And, you know, Adelaide has run into this this year and, you know, she's a, was a seventh grader this year. And so it was her first year in real school athletics. And she ran into the issue with, you know, some of her friends are so ultra competitive that they would get mad at their own teammates mm. For making mistakes mm -hmm. and they would be rude and they would say, you know, mean things to them and blame them, you know, for losses and things. And you just want to make sure that you're not raising a child who is going to be like that. We have to teach our kids a balance in competitiveness. Some kids are born with much more of a competitive spirit than mm -hmm. other kids are. Um, and so if you have one of those really spirited competitors in your house... You have to temper that, you know, by teaching them about how, you know, if you're on a team, you're all working together, you support each other, you're all going to make mistakes, and you can't blame any one person, you know, for the loss. You were, you win together, you lose together, and if you're going to be a good teammate, then you can't act like that. Right. And bad teammates, I mean, th that makes losing that much more miserable. Exactly. You know, you're gonna if you're gonna lose if you're really if you're really getting beat by the other team. Now I understand if you're beating yourself, 
if it's a situation where you're not executing and they're and they're just doing poorly, then one could say to the other in an encouraging way, "Hey, we can do this. We've practiced this. We know how to do this. Yeah. So let's go out there and you and me, let's stop messing up and let's go get this done." Yeah. But whenever you're really just getting whipped by the other team, it doesn't help for someone to blame it on you mm-hmm. when there's plenty of blame to go around, and there always is. But, you know, that's, I think, our tendency as human beings to try to justify our own. That, well, we're losing, but it's not my fault, right. you know, when you've got a chance to do that. So don't t- help them learn how they can, you know, uh, because you win as a team. And people that, you know, in those situations, people that really contribute, uh, there's people that really contribute to a win. And then there's some that didn't do much, but they're on the winning team. And mm-hmm. they all say, we won. Yeah. And they're all happy about that. Yeah. Same thing with losing. Um, you know, you, you might not contribute much to the loss. You might have been the only one that gave your team a chance to win. But whenever we lose, we all lost. Right. You teach them how. So what about winning well? How do we teach them how to win the right way? Winning well is is probably an even bigger issue than losing well because this goes back to, you know, one of our very first, I think it was the very first podcast we did in this series was teach your kids not to brag Mm. and you know again you can start when they're really little and you're playing games in the home when somebody wins I mean and I am I am fine you know like with a with good natured trash talk yeah I think that's a fun part of of competing Mm mm-hmm but you know there is a line that can be crossed when you're when you're you know joking around like that and sometimes it crosses over into not joking but actual gloating or right. actual making fun of someone because you've beat them mm-hmm. And so you have to teach your kids there's a fine line there and, and read the other person and see if they're, if you can tell they're starting to get upset then back off and, and encourage them instead, you know? Right. Well, I, some people don't have that, um, what would you call it? That, that sensitivity. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and it's really, man, I've been in some situations. We, we wind up working a lot with children, um, in our job. Uh, ministry, you know, and kids feel pretty comfortable and familiar with you and kids talk to the preacher, you know, uh, because I see them, they'll know me. Uh, but I, you know, you wind up in situations where a child will say something about their score or about how many points they made or, or this or that. And, you know, they're, uh, so proud you know, mm-hmm. and you want to be proud for them. Yeah. But then you see them going to kids who didn't, you know, is it, well, how many did you score? How mm-hmm. many did you score? Mm-hmm. What, what, what did you do in the game? And you think, oh, oh no. You know, that th- you don't want to, you want to teach them, as we mentioned in the bragging one, let other people do the bragging on you. Because right. people want to, they want to root for you. People want to pat you on the back. Don't toot your own horn. But that that going around and being so proud of a victory that makes people think a certain way about your child. Yeah, you know that they have not been taught um, sort of how to win in a classy way. And so, if you'll take the time to shut them down whenever they say some of those things a few times, um, I think they'll learn from that, and I think they'll uh, be a you know, and, and that's even in winning. 
you know, you could be a bad teammate. Well, I scored all the points. Yeah. I'm the one that won the game for us. I'm mm-hmm. the star of the show. Mm-hmm. You can't let them. You can't let them do that. And I think if you'll start that, even in these, you know, it's funny because once they do get to junior high and high school, I think the coaches doing, you know, let them know. I think it's kind of like the cult coaching culture. You're not so special. Yeah. You think you're hot, but they kind of go into that. We don't. We kind of set them up for being shocked at that moment. Yeah. Where the coach is like, uh, you're not that good, right? Because we just we just act like they're awesome, you know. For but the coach, but the, the the coaches know what the competition's like, right? And they know that you're not, you know, you're not all that special. So, you know, it would be the worst if your child thinks that they are the greatest athlete. Uh, if they think that they can't, that they can do, uh, you know, or, or whatever it is, UIL speaking events or whatever, is anything that's competitive in nature. And then they go out and no one's taught them that there's going to always be somebody out there better than you. I mean, to be the the actual best at anything is pretty much nearly impossible. Yeah. I mean, the odds are really stacked against you. Um, I I consider myself like really the best cuddler. But I know there's probably somebody (laughs) out there cuddles better than me. But when they learn that lesson... You know, it, it's nice if you've kind of prepared them for the psychological shock that That's there are people true. out there that are better than you. But a lot of this, a lot of the sportsmanship stuff comes from the way you react to your child's competitions. We've all seen the stories of parents, you know, having fist fights at Little League Baseball games. Getting removed from games, yelling at the umpires. Crazy stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, we have to lead by example, of course, as we've said in every single one of these things that we're trying mm-hmm. to teach our kids, we it it's, it rings hollow to your child for you to say, now win or lose, you need to go over there and congratulate the other team and you know tell your friends they did a good job. If you're up there in the stands yelling your head off the whole time, you know, and acting like a fool in the stands over a fourth grade basketball game or whatever's going on, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to take a step back and say, okay, now look. In the scheme of things, this game does not matter. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to tell yourself that and teach your kids that. Mm-hmm. Because we we blow these things up into things that are just seem life or death to these poor little kids who are just trying to learn to play a sport. Mm-hmm. And it's really unfair that we put that kind of pressure on them and make them feel like if you don't win at whatever you're trying to do, then you are not living up to what I think you should be doing. Right. And so the way, you know, this would dovetail nicely with last night's episode about an encourager. If you t- if the kid is going out there and you say, hey, you may not be the best player, you know, chances are your kid is not going to be the best player on the team. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's only one best player, and then there's five or ten other kids that are on the team. So chances are someone's going to be better than your than your kids. So tell them, Hey, but you know what you can be the best at? You can be the best at encouraging. You can be the best at telling everyone good job. Nice try. Yeah. Get it next time. And whenever the kids start doing, you know, I've noticed when I'm coaching, if I'm over on the sideline and if I'm only being negative, everybody gets negative. Mm. But if I'm over there on the sideline being positive, great job great job nice try then all the kids start clapping good job nice try right you know and so your own child can set that culture even if they're just on the bench 
they can be the the encouragement factor and and even encourage the other team. We try to clap when the other team does a good job and say, oh, good, nice job, because, you know, it's a small town, everybody's friends. Right. And we recognize a good play. I've noticed that even at the junior high level, that they've been clapping for both sides, even yeah. in some of the places where we've played. And then some places are more hostile. So you can see just how, how that culture works. But you let your kids be above all that and teach them how to lose well, teach them how to win well, and... And, and focus in on that. When you see them reacting quietly, gently, not in a way that would embarrass them in front of all their friends, but pull them aside and say, hey, you know what? I think you're letting this affect you um, a little too much. Yeah. Let's, let's get this game in proper perspective. You're upset about your performance in this basketball game or whatever it is. But let's remember what's really important. What's really important is our witness for Christ. And we're, what what are we teaching people by our behavior right now? We're teaching them what's most important to us. Yeah. And you can turn on any major sporting event on television and give your kids all kinds of examples of how to act and how not to act. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've noticed at the end of NFL games, almost every time you watch an NFL game on TV, when the game is over and the players are walking off the field, the, these players from other teams are meeting each other in the field and hugging each other. These guys mm-hmm. who know each other that just played this cutthroat game against each other. And praying together. Are laughing yeah. and yeah. hitting each other's he- helmets, you know, and just, I mean, it's a great way for you to show your kids, look, these guys, this is a big deal. You know, they're getting paid to do this, but at the end of the day, it's still just a game. And look, they're friends with the guys that they were playing against. Mm-hmm. And they know that even their time playing professional football, it only lasts for f- five to six years. And usually their bodies give out on them. There's very few that can do a Tom Brady and play till they're 40. Right. Um, they're competing at a very, very elite level. Okay. Uh, these are the best in the world. And the reason that they all can sort of walk out to the middle of the field and a lot of them know each other is because at that elite level, they've known of each other for <laughs> for right. years and years. Maybe it seems it's high school and college, and they've got relationships that have been built over all these years because they really they really are the best. And whenever one of them has a great game and they're pulled in front of the microphone, what's the first thing they always say? How did you win? What was what made the difference tonight? Oh, it's my teammates. Yeah. You know, these are the guys that if there's anyone on the earth that could say, well, you know, I've seen LeBron James actually do this. Well, I'm the greatest player in the world. I'm not nervous about anything. Yeah. You know, that never. There's a good example of what not to do. Yeah, what not to do. That just (laughs) drives you. Or or when the guy runs and and the Baker, well, of course, he wins the Heisman Trophy, but he, uh, I can't remember, uh, Baker Mayfield beats Ohio State and he plants the flag. You remember that? That gloating, that victory. Oh, just, you know, just terrible. Uh, not a good way to win. Made to make a name for yourself, but the, but you know here's here's a, a, a I'll jump into this factor in a second. But I would say the what's amazing is of all the people that could brag about their accomplishments, it's awesome to see these guys brag about their teammates' accomplishments, yeah, exactly. and th- and that's always something that sets such a good example. That young quarterback from Alabama this past year that won the national championship as a freshman, I think he was a true freshman, and he just praised his family, praised his teammates, and it was incredible. Now, one of the, 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 the things about being a bad winner, okay, is, you know, here's the truth. 
nobody wins forever. Yeah. Like at some point, even the best is going to not be the best anymore. No one stays the best. Look at Tiger Woods. Yeah. And that last U.S. Open. Is that what we just watched? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, where 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 he's, you know, barely finishing well at all. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, that's such a... I mean, I don't even know how to unpack the well, Tiger Woods not. saga. I don't want to yeah. talk about Tiger Woods. But, but, but yeah, but he was... He, he used to be the, the best, the and best now he's and not. Now he's not. But, and I would say Tiger's, you know, in the past, I think has been a pretty good sport. I think golf is so different anyway. But if you're not a good winner, if you're a bad winner, and you said, and if your kids are bad winners, okay, if they love the glory and, of winning... It it sets them up for a people don't like them, but b people love to see them lose. Yeah, they love to see them fall. People don't make it to where people are going to revel in your child's failures. Yeah, and that's on you a lot, parent. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. So how do we? How do you not? How do you keep people from in? you know, enjoying, you don't want them to enjoy your child losing. How do you keep that from happening? I think, I think if we, if we zoom out a little bit from this issue, what it really comes down to is if you're trying to teach your kids a biblical worldview mm-hmm. and you're trying to, to teach them to view competition through the lens of being a Christian person. Does this glorify God? Does this behavior winning or losing? Is it bringing glory to God? Right, and also putting, you know, competition in general in perspective to Mm -hmm. say, um, of all the things in the world that matter, Mm -hmm. this game right here is not something that's going to last. Yeah. This game is fleeting. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It's just a moment. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of it is for something enjoyable, win or lose. Right. You know, the stakes are high, but if we play the right way, if we if we approach this with with our best effort, our best sportsmanship, then if we give our best effort and do what the coaches tell us to do, we can be happy even if we come up short. Someone's going to lose every game. Yeah. Always, that's something that amazes me about the NFL, is that half the teams lose every Sunday. And also, anything that you were able to do well and that you were able to excel at and accomplish – Anything in your life, in competition or in any other sphere, is a gift from God. And yeah. so you owe him the, the thanks and you owe him the credit. Mm. And so if you win, then you give the glory to God. If you lose, then you say, you know what, I can handle this because I have a Savior. And I don't have to worry about things that don't matter. This is not an eternal experience that I'm having here. Yeah. It's just a game. Yeah. And it's and it's really hard for us to keep that perspective because we put such an emphasis on these games. Yeah. You know, and we 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 allow so much time. You think of all the time that is spent in little league and little league practice, and you say, "Well, have you read your Bible with as a family with that kid? Have you done even half as much?" Well, no, we haven't because it shows us what we think is important. And so we're actually saying something that really rings strange in our ears because we tend to put so much uh, emphasis on sporting and, and, and things like that that are competitive in nature. And it's not just sports either. It can be academics. It can be any kind of 
realm where your child could be better at something than other kids are. We all like to see our kids win. You know, it's always a pleasure to see your kid called up on stage to be given an award for something, you know, or to get the trophy in the middle of the field. Everybody, every parent loves that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, uh, I, I would, I would wrap it up by saying, allow me a point of personal privilege. Okay. All right. As we have a a faithful listener to the podcast, Sonia Gray. I think I might have mentioned her last night. She's been trying to catch up on all the episodes. And her daughter is, I think maybe it's her first year to play golf on the high school team. And our golfers here from Olney are down in Austin for the state tournament, for the state golf tournament for girls. So we'll just let this be an encouragement. Sonia, you can tell them that uh, Chad and Melissa were encouraging them to do their best, to score low. Uh, but also to be good winners or good losers, yeah. however the ball falls, so That's to speak. Right. <laughs> however, however, wherever the pins are positioned at the, at the golf course there in Austin. So, um, you know, we want that to to be uh, uh, something that's really special for them to look back on. But the reality is, even something as awesome as going to the state championship in whatever sport or whatever it would be. I mean, that's people's goal, right? State and maybe even to play in college yeah. at some level. But that when you look back, when you look at what you're doing day-to-day life, what really being an adult is, what being a, a productive member of society really is, sports can give us a great foundation for a lot of those things. But generally, what, make, what, what sports contributes to our development has has a lot less to do with the actual score of the game and a lot more to do with how you played it right. and how you were taught to play it. So remember, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. That's kind of one of those <laughs> things, right? <laughs> but you hate it whenever like a cliche comes in your mind. Like you're saying something that's been a cliche. And <laughs> but you can't help it. That's what uh, Today I was talking about let, letting go of being generous. Like, you know, when you let go... You know, we're able to let go, and I was just like, do not say let God. Do not say it. Do not say let go and let God. I was like, but that's really exactly what I'm trying to say. It's like you're, like, you know, the way I invented quilt shorts. It's like you're independently arriving at a Christian cliche. Yeah. I invented quilted shorts way before they were ever a thing. And then we started to see them at stores. Patchwork shorts. But mine were going to be different. They were actually going to be quilted so you could go and have a picnic without actually taking a blanket. And Melissa thought it was a terrible idea. We've discussed this on the podcast before. I don't remember what episode, but if you go back far enough, you'll see, you'll hear a whole long discussion about the quilt shorts. Is it, would that be in the description of the podcast? Not sure. It didn't even warrant part of the description. It was a fantastic adventure. But just good good to bring stuff up like that every now and then on the podcast, don't go. So um, we better wrap this sucker up. We've nearly gone for 40 minutes. Yeah, let's do it. So be be a good winner tomorrow. Be a good loser tomorrow. Yeah, and give God all the glory, God all the glory either, way. either way. All right, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.